Crosspoint Church's weekly sermon audio. For more information about Crosspoint, visit InsideCrosspoint.com. Good morning. So you've probably heard Robert uh, speak about the Advent series that we're going to be doing for the next, uh, well, this week and the next two weeks. Um, we have decided to kind of take a different approach and look at Advent from the aspect of the, the three offices or roles that Christ plays in the church. The, the first today that we're going to consider is that of prophet, next week is priest, and then that of king. And so today, while we're looking at Christ's role as prophet, that is really like spokesman of God, uh, the, the, the one who communicates on behalf of God to his people I was kind of thinking about like the social media phenomenon, and I don't know if you know this about me, but, but pretty recently I kind of went viral over romaine lettuce. Um, that's not really true. People were just really mad at me because right before Thanksgiving, the CDC issued a thing about romaine lettuce, and I'm like, this is a great truth for people to know because Thanksgiving is coming up, and then everyone got mad because they're like, who's eating salad on Thanksgiving? And I'm like, listen, I'm just trying to save y'all's life. Um, but no, we have like TED Talks and, and all of these little quotes that we post and, and, and all kinds of, uh, I mean, truths. I mean, if you want to, truth is relative in that term, but all kinds of things that are encouraging to us. These little snippets. We have great pastors and preachers with like, they're standing here like this. And then it's like, Jesus is nice. And then we share it like crazy. Because we love truth. We, we long for truth in our fallen nature. Even though we are fallen, we are ingrained with a need and desire to know what is true. And so social media has made that really kind of easy for us. Because we can just click whatever it is we're dealing with that given week. Whatever the anxiety or struggle, whatever our children are doing. I can guarantee you there is something there that you can glance at very quickly and find some encouragement The danger, as we consider Christ as prophet, though, is that we end up becoming a society, a people, a, a church full of believers who lower the word of God to this station in our lives. That all of a sudden, what ends up happening with the word of God, I, I mean, as, as I've been preparing this sermon, I, there is so much inside of me that needs to come out, and I won't. I mean, I'll, I'll end on time. I will literally walk off the stage. But as I've just been considering the word of God and the gravity of having a book of God's spoken will and desire for us, it, it, I mean, it has ignited my soul. And, and I, I fear too often that we end up just taking little tidbits of these little sound bites and posting them and expecting them just to encourage people and for, for people to find some encouragement in Scripture from from. Verses that are used out of context that they don't even understand what they mean. They're just out there. And I, and I think when we consider Advent, this, this coming season of, of, of Christ condescending, coming down to us in the form of babe, I think we need to fight against this. I think that the coming of Christ as prophet is... It is, it is not an invitation to passive onlooking. 
Christ coming in the form of babe as prophet is not an invitation to use God's spoken word however we please. Christ coming in the form of prophet, his role as spokesman of of speaker of the very word of God is an invitation to actively hear his word and to actively do his word. To be active hearers and doers of the Word of God. And so that's what we're going to start out in, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, looking at this need for a prophet. Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 19. When someone says Deuteronomy and then they give you five verses, inside you just went like this. I'm just going to, let's just level right now. Starting in verse 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. And I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Let's pray. Father, we we realize we can give nothing to you that's already yours, but we do give this hour to you. God, may we be about your glory. May we this morning see a bit more clearly that all things are for your purpose and to your good pleasure. They are according to your will and your desires. Even the work that you have done for us in Christ is not primarily about us, but about your glory. God, help us to see that this morning. Help us to value your word. Help us to value the truth more so when we leave this building than when we came God, may it be the continual trajectory of our life that we become more and more in need of the Word, not less in need. May we never find ourselves having having read through the Word of God and, and calling it good. God, may you put that passion and desire in us this morning, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So the question I want to focus on this morning as we consider Advent, as we consider Christmas coming very quickly, I want to I ask a question. And I think it's always helpful to ask questions of Scripture and like actually in life in general because you can always almost guarantee that I'm going to get up here and say, here's the question I want us to consider. The reason I do this is because I've like found myself in meetings at times and I'll, like, I'll speak, I'll like interject myself, and then I'll follow up like internally with the question, why are you so stupid? And it's very helpful to self-orientate and be like, you know what, I'm just not going to say anything the rest of this time. So as we go to Scripture, I think it's very important to have a question in mind as we are considering these truths, that we are actually taking these words and answering, you could call it a problem, taking these truths and answering something of ourselves. And so the question is this, have we slipped into the mindset of thinking that Christmas is more about what we receive in Christ? than the reality that Christ's life and work is primarily about bringing glory to God the Father. 
Have we thought more of Christmas, the coming of Christ in the form of babe, more in terms of what that means for us, about what we receive from Christ, about the good work that he has done for us, as opposed to realizing that it is for primarily God's glory? To follow up, that is, do we realize that the coming of Christ is more about making much of God and much, much, much less about making anything of us? The coming of Christ is for the purpose of the glory of God. And if we ever find ourselves thinking that anything in Scripture is primarily about us, we will misunderstand God's Word. It will be an affront to the glory of God itself. And so as we look at these things, have we lowered Christmas to the standard of basically just being about what we receive through this baby Jesus? Or the fact that the coming of this baby is God's glory? So my desire this morning is that we might reflect on the reality that God desires us so much He desires his people so much that his word was made flesh. He so loves us that he sent his son, he sent the very word of God to us in the flesh. That is what is laying in the manger. That the voice of God descended into our midst in the form of a baby to tell us that God desires for us and all that he has for us. That the coming of Jesus is the chief expression of God's glory. That's what I don't want us to miss as we go into Christmas this year. That the world does not revolve around us even when it is God doing something very, very good for us. And so I, I do believe that it's true. We, we, we certainly should go into Christmas thinking, wow, all that Christ gives us, how amazing is this grace. But my desire this morning is that we wouldn't just long for the prophet of God, we would so long and desire for his message that it becomes who we are in life. That our life in some, at the end of it, will be, I pursued God through His Word. I sought Him day after day. Every problem I took to Scripture, every praise I took to Scripture, every counsel came from Scripture. That is my desire this morning. And so I have two points Two very simple points, and the first is this, the need for a prophet like Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18. So here what you have happening is that the, the, the prophet, and, and Moses is really the first of these prophets, he's setting a standard for what a prophet is, right? He is the, the intermediary shield between man and God, right? He reveals that they, there needs to be a man standing between man and God because of his glory. Look back to Deuteronomy chapter 5. You'll see it very clearly. Deuteronomy 5, verses 1 through 5. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us who are all 
who are all of us here alive today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, while I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up into the mountain. And so we see right off the bat that God's glory, it's not a joke. Right? Whenever we see these instances of God's glory in Scripture radiating forward, even last week Robert spoke of God's glory being a consuming fire. By the way, if you weren't here and listened to that message, you got to go right after this and listen to it. God's glory is a consuming fire. There is need of man to have someone standing as a shield between the glory of God and man in his fallen sin. Right? It's not a common glory. It's not the glory that we, we see presidents having today or, or any dignitary or any famous person that we may see. It's not that type of glory. This type of glory is the type of glory when you see it, it literally bends forcefully your knee and puts you on the ground. And so when we see Jesus being this prophet for us, we see him fulfilling this role, this much-needed role between us and the glory of God, which would for sure consume and devour us. Not because it's bad or wrong, but because it is magnificent. And no one can stand in that glory unscathed. And so we see the role that Moses is playing. He's, he's playing that, uh, the, the role of prophetic communicator. What the prophet does is he stands as a shield between the glory of God and fallen man, but he also plays a role of telling people, this is what God desires for you. This is what God requires for you. This is what God has for you. Right? Think of Moses and Pharaoh. All of the back and forth between, listen, this is what God wants for his creation, right? Because the glory of God, God's station in life as divine creator doesn't just extend to believers. He's not just sending these prophets to speak solely to his children, to his people, to his own. It's to all of creation because he is the creator of all creation. Unbeliever, if you were here this morning, God is your God, whether you believe it or not. And he has sent these men to speak his word to us, to Pharaoh, the warnings. Listen, if, if you think that you are God, you are mistaken. If you think that you will oppress my people like this, you are mistaken. And then he sends forth Israel and he speaks to them through Moses. Listen, if you think that you can live this type of life, if you think that you can be idolatrous and live that way in harmony, you are mistaken. And so Moses serves as this, this, this role of communicator. Right, right, right in, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, Deuteronomy chapter 18, God's grace abounds. He doesn't just create his people and send them forth and not do anything. He does all of this and then he talks with them. He doesn't owe us that. And so we see that 
Israel kind of has a bit of an issue in here, here in Deuteronomy 18, right? They, they're kind of freaking out because Moses, he's going to die. And, and Israel's kind of freaking out because they're thinking like, okay, well, th- this, this role of prophet has been real nice for us because when we receive the Ten Commandments, we remember what that was like. We remember the terror of God's glory And the thought of Moses being sent away into eternity, they actually come up with a very necessary question. Okay, if Moses goes, who then can stand before God's glory? Because it ain't going to be me. Right? We need this person. We need this prophet. Because if I go there, If I go up to that mountain to receive these commandments from God to his people, I will die. Who am I to go into the glory of God? And this is what Israel is kind of asking themselves. But the amazing part is here in Deuteronomy 18 is that God can't fathom the role of prophet going away either. God can't fathom not being in communication with His people. God can't fathom letting His people go about their way, living their life as they please. God can't fathom not being linked to His people. The point of the word for God is that we would hear it and that we would heed it. You know, God understands something I think we often forget, and that is this, that God's Word answers crucial questions of life. Why am I here? Why is this happening? What is the point of life? What is the purpose of my life? God's Word is the answer to all of those questions we may have. When we find ourselves scrolling through social media with whatever that anxiety is, whatever, whatever that need is, whatever that burden is, whatever that anger is, I can tell you that those little snippets of, of joy that you will find, those won't affect lasting change into your life. The only thing that will do that is continual communion with the spoken Word of God. Accepting the invitation that we are not only to hear it, but we are to, 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 to do it. That it is to be our very lifeblood. That we are to desire all of the good promises in here. And as believers, we should claim all of the good and contextually appropriate promises in here. But it shouldn't just stop there. We should, like I said, long for this. It should be our daily bread. It should be the meat that feeds us. When we find ourselves famished and in the desert, this should be our nourishment. And so right here we see God's plan unfolding. And the prophetic word shows us that God God desires not to lead the blind God does not desire to lead the blind. He desires to give them sight. 
you know, it's, 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 it's often like our circumstances, what, whatever it is you're going through in life, like those things most often create within you these questions of like, for, for instance, is God near? Does he hear me? Does he care? Right, those circumstances in life that really put you to the test as to whether your faith is founded in Christ or in something else. Right, the trials and tribulations when they come that, that test whether or not it really is all that your faith is in, is in money and riches and, and all of the things you have here or whether in spite of all of those things being taken away from you and all of the sorrow and burden that that would cause, you still stand in Christ. What these texts show us is that God desires continual communication with His people and that He cares for us every second. And His, his desire to communicate and care is not just for His children. Unbeliever, if you are here this morning, this is not a message to believers only. This is an invitation to hear the Word of God as your own. To hear this morning that God is speaking to you. Whatever your circumstance is this morning, God is speaking to you. This is not an indirect casting of a wide net. When we put forth the spoken word of God, what we are doing is saying, listen, every single person in this room, thus says the Lord. And so we see this prophet, Moses. He's that man. He's the man that goes and he says, thus says the Lord, Pharaoh. Israel, with your weird golden calf, thus says the Lord. But the greatness of Christ as prophet is that thus says the Lord comes in the flesh. This is not just God sending forth His word through a mediary shield. This is the word of God coming to His people in the form of man. Right, if you think that it's a great grace in Deuteronomy 18 that he gives Moses to stand as a shield between man, Israel, and their God, what greater grace than the reality that this prophet they were promised is actually going to stand as God with them? Does that not blow your mind? Because there was not one amen. Am I the only one? This is not just God speaking through someone to His people. It's God coming to His people in their midst. Amen, Tyler. Thank you. Thank you. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. All right, this is the Word of God living with us and in us. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Long ago, 
at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed to, whom, excuse me, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. This man, Jesus, this little baby who we will celebrate in the coming weeks, this is not a shield between the glory of God and man. It is God coming to us and saying, behold my glory. I don't really know what more comforting thing there is. I, so when I was dating Chelsea, I moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, where she lived, fresh out of Afghanistan. So I'm, I'm, super, I'm a hot shot at this time. I go there to try to win this lady, and I did, but that's beside the point. I go there. I'm, I'm, a f- I'm freshly out of Afghanistan, and it's pertinent to the story because I'm called into ministry as I go to Cedarville University, a liberal arts Christian school. God says, Tyler, you're going to, well, he didn't really say this, but it was kind of one of those things where you knew God was saying, you're going to be a pastor. You're going to preach. And I'm like, this has got to be some sick joke. And after two weeks of thinking this was a sick joke, it was not a sick joke. And at that moment, I realized I don't know anything and so I went and I bought a $5 copy of the Bible, and it was like this big, size 6 font. I moved to Cincinnati, Ohio for the summer. I take a job as a security guard, and I find this room in Queen City Square, the largest skyscraper in Cincinnati, like 60-some stories with a big tiara on top of it. I go, and I'm a security guard from like 3 to 11 at night, every night. After everything settles down, I take my little Bible out. I go find this weird random room that's not finished. I take a five-gallon bucket. I turn it over. I sit down, and I read through the Bible in six months. And I met with God. Things about my life were changed. Things began to make sense. Things became clear. My anger issues, though they didn't go away immediately, I started to understand them. I started to understand some of the things I was doing and the foolishness. God spoke to me. He gave me his word. He sent his word in the form of a baby for me. If you are tempted this morning to think that God does not care, I have visual proof that he does. Don't squander the opportunity to know God more. Don't squander the opportunity to to understand your pain. To understand the broken relationships that you have. The depression that you suffer. Don't forego all of the healing balm that is here. Every time I read through the Bible, I'm different. Because of this sermon and the study that I did, I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, I'm a better pastor this week than I was last week. And I pray that that is what my life consists of until I die. That I would continually go and feed here. That God might 
see me and receive glory. So when we think of the baby Jesus, let us not forget that this babe is the word made flesh and dwelling amongst us. Right, this babe in the manger is God incarnate coming to speak to his people. Think of the Samaritan woman at the mill. Sir, the, the, the well, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Bravo, Samaritan woman. You understand. You get it. This man, Jesus, is a prophet. So what does God send him to say to us? What message could possibly be so urgent and so critical that he doesn't just leave it up to these Moses-like figures, these Elijah-like figures, but that he sees fit to send his only son, God in the flesh, to speak to us? What could this message be? What could bring God so much glory? And it's this, the need for the prophetic word of life. The need for the prophetic word of life. Look with me in John chapter 12. So we see that we have a need for a prophet like Moses. And when we receive that prophet, what we then find ourselves needing is a prophetic word of life. We don't just need to hear things from God. We need life where there is only death, disobedience, and sin. Amen. And this is the best part of, of Jesus being our prophet, our great, our final prophet. Right? This is the great thing of, of thinking of that baby in that manger and expecting and waiting and, and being excited and knowing all that he will do for us and all that we receive and those great marvelous graces which we are so thankful for. We see more so what he has done, what he says, and the role he plays in it all. He plays the role that is required of us. He condescends as God to do what we cannot do for ourselves. John 12, 44 through 50. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. And I know that His commandment is eternal life. Have you ever just accidentally passed over that, by the way? I do that all the time too. <laughs> and I know that His commandment is eternal life. 
What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Do you want to know what amazing grace is? Like when we sing that song, you know, there's a lot of verses that actually explains it, but do you want to know what I perceive amazing grace to be? The fact that the glory of God came down in the midst of, its, of God's creation and cried out, Behold, I've come to save the world. Is that not kind of different than the view of God's glory in Deuteronomy 15? Right? They don't understand. They, they actually rightly understand that we actually can't behold God's glory face to face. And in this moment says, well, but, but, but wait, right? Remember Hebrews 1? I'm the imprint of God's glory. He comes and he says, behold, I am the glory of God and I have come to save the world. That is the sum of the message that this great high prophet has given. God not only hears you and has given you a word, He's not only giving you his word to interject into your life, your context, your situations. He has given you a word leading to life. He has given you a word of assurance to your greatest problem and need. That's what this prophet came to say. For us, we get to see it unfold from Deuteronomy to John. But the Israelites did not quite see it. They knew the need they had, but they didn't know how great of need it was. Because it went far beyond needing someone to stand between them and God. Out of fear. What they really needed was for someone to intercede on their behalf and offer to God what they themselves could never offer. And that is a holy life in satisfaction of God's divine judgment. And so when we see that little babe, that is what he's coming to do. It goes on to say that Jesus came as light, right? What, it, what it's saying is that Jesus as the prophet, the invitation is to hear his message and to see and know God himself. Right, light speaks to a lot of things. First and foremost, it's obviously this message of eternal life, right? You were once in darkness, right? Dead in your sin, but in Christ there is light, but also, by extension, this light exposes us. This Word made flesh is light into our souls, telling us things about ourselves, revealing our inadequacies as we try to be husbands and wives and parents. It exposes all of our hard edges, all of the barbs of our life. But it doesn't just expose us, it, it informs those areas. It's like a file taking your life and just slowly and oftentimes painfully growing you in the holiness of your Lord. And when we don't go to the Word of God, we forfeit that. 
I'm not up here saying we need to have some sort of like dogmatic, like Bible reading, whatever it is. I have my thing, and all I'm telling you is you need to have a thing. If you go to one verse a day, stay-at-home mom, you're going to blow my mind because I know how much you do. But if you will go for just a little, you will walk away receiving more than you ever imagined. If you are here this morning thinking that, well, I'm not going to read the Bible because I've got I've to go through chapters at a time. I've got to go through books at a time. Go read a sentence because I know that God's word is more powerful to do a wonderful work in you beyond all that I could think you need to do. Don't miss the reality that this is the, this is the sum of God himself coming in the flesh. Everything here points to him. Everything here will send you to him. Everything here will expose your need of him. And in the end, it will give you the answer that he is here for you. That he was given for you. So I think that this, this proclamation of Jesus, the, 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 the fact that he cried out this message, I think this morning that, that that ought to spur us, maybe convict us, maybe motivate us in seeing how needed this message, this prophetic message is in the world today. That we have a message of light that when we proclaim forth the scriptures, we are proclaiming forth the word of God as light into the darkness. When you see your unbelieving family at Christmas, if you give them the gospel, it is light going into the darkness. I don't know if and when that seed will ever germinate and grow, but what I do know is that it is the word of God going forth. We ought not to undervalue that. We ought not to undervalue the need of that in our own lives. That every time the word of God is spoken or read or absorbed into us, it is light. It is what Jesus came to do. To introduce us to our God. To bring us into his arms. You know what I think kind of happens when you go to the word of God? I think this is kind of like my cares. I have no charismatic side, but if I had one, this is it. I think, because I grew up like r real general Baptist, but this is my charismatic stuff coming out. I think what happens when you go to the Word of God, number one, it's never insignificant. And number two, I think what happens is, is the hands of Jesus, they come up to you and they, they wrap around your face and they say, here I am. You see, the wonder of Scripture is that it has one job, and that is showing you Jesus Christ. And if you go here, if you go here willing, I think you will find Him.
I think you will meet him. John Calvin says this about these verses. Christ's declaration aims at encouraging his people to a right and unshakable constancy of faith. But it also contains an implicit rebuke in which Christ wanted to correct their perverse fear. The shout suggests vehemence or passion. For it is not a simple lesson, but an exhortation in order to excite them more keenly. When's the last time you were excited about your faith? Like, when's the last time you were more excited about your faith than you were depressed about it? Because the point of Scripture is not to make you feel bad. It's about to excite you and point you and show you and reveal to you the glory of God and Him with us. The statement amounts to this, that faith in Christ does not rely on any mortal man, but on God. For it finds in Christ nothing except what is divine, or rather it beholds God in His face. Do you see that here in John 12, what is happening is that this prophet, this great and final prophet of ours, he's saying, here is what God desires of you. Here is God, what God requires of you. And by the way, I'm going to do those things for you. He's out there crying in the wilderness, here's what needs to happen. Come and see what I will do. That is a prophet par excellent of all prophets. I'll tell you everything that God requires of you, and then I'll do it for you. Right? This is not just about receiving benefits. The Christian life is not just about getting out of hell free. It's about a great cost to God Himself purely because that level of grace brought Him the most glory. So the truth of Christ being our final prophet can be seen in His message. Though He is God in the flesh, He never desires to unintentionally exalt the flesh. Though he himself is God in the flesh, he never unintentionally desires to exalt the flesh. And so we find him always pointing to the Father. Is that your life? Is that my life? Are my interactions defined by me pointing to the glory of God more so than the glory of myself? You know, the danger of, 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 of a preacher coming up here into a room like this is, is subversively desiring to be made much of. The danger that you face in the world is the desire of being made much of. But this prophet's message, though he has every claim to the message, though he has every claim of God himself, though Hebrews 1 says this is the very imprint of God, he says, but the Father, 
The Father is the one to receive glory. Brothers and sisters, unbeliever, if you are here this morning and your desire is to go to the Word of God that He might receive glory, I can't imagine what will happen in your life. You probably ain't going to become rich. Your pains probably aren't going to go away. But what you are doing is that you are building for yourself in heaven a storehouse of glory. In giving up your glory momentarily here and now, you will receive riches in heaven. I think of Paul when he says, not I, but Christ in me. Do you realize that the Word of God is not only here, believer, with us this morning, it is in us. Every action of yours says something about Christ in you. Every thought, every word says something about Christ in you. We're here for His glory. So the question is this. Have we slipped into the mindset of thinking that Christmas is more about what we receive in Christ than the reality that Christ's life and work is primarily about bringing glory to God the Father? So this morning we've met our prophet. We've heard our prophet's message. Have you listened? The reality is Christ came as God himself and he died on a cross. Not only that we might know God, but that he might be glorified. We've met him, we've heard him. Have you listened? And if you have listened this morning, where are you going to go and cry out into the darkness? Let's pray. God, we pray this morning. We know that our need is of you and you only. We pray that you would make us this morning zealous for your glory. God, that you might make us desirous of your word, that we might, through it, grow in a pleasing manner that shines forth and radiates your glory to a dark world. God, we understand that our chief end is to worship you and to bring you glory, not only now, but forever. God, may that be true of us this morning. May that be true of this church forever. May we be so about your glory that we are so willing to set aside our own in every circumstance and crying out, not I, but Christ in me. We have nothing that is not yours. We have nothing that we have not received. May we use those things to your glory and your glory alone. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.